0: Um, I love what Chuck Smith said, he said, the more spiritually mature I become, the less denominational I become. So it's like, basically, the more spiritually mature I become, the more free I am.
1: Welcome back to the Don't Knock It podcast, where we address misconceptions about Jesus' character, his church, and his word. By doing this, we hope to encourage you to delight in Christ before dismissing him and know him before knocking him. I'm your host, Chris Mears, and this is a special Q&A episode to recap season four, The Hard Sayings of Jesus. And honestly, like I've had so much fun recording the last 10 or so episodes with some of my closest friends it's been an absolute privilege to sit with these friends uh, and to seek to clarify some of the toughest toughest things that left our Savior's mouth, and hopefully they've edified you in the same way that they've edified me. Uh, so to kind of formally conclude season four, I asked my friend Joshua Camper to do a rapid fire Q&A for us here today. How you doing, bro? Uh,
0: amen. I am blessed and uh, grateful for new mercies, especially for today. <laughs> yeah.
1: So... Um, i actually just sent joshua the list of questions uh this morning early this morning um, so uh, in in typical rapid fire succession uh, which is going to get through through these uh one by one um, i do want to keep this episode like 30 45 minutes at the most i have 10 questions here and if i if any of them if any new one is sparked during the conversation then that'll uh, that'll be revealed but if not then then we're just going to get through these and whenever we hit the 30 45 minute mark then uh then we'll we'll wrap it up all right Sweet. all right okay so we're gonna start hot with the first one so josh how would you explain the trinity in one sentence ah uh,
0: pass no, i just kidding <laughs> <laughs> wrap it up oh man yeah that is um uh, you know i think it's kind of impossible to do that but Truth be told, like I learned over the years of trying to explain uh, the the nature of the triune God. Um, it is really uh, an eternal truth that like our minds cannot wrap our hands, heads around. Um, but I, I believe that doesn't mean we can't understand anything about the triune God. And so uh, I once heard it said, and this and this really stuck with me because it, it, it was gospel centered. Um, and, and one theologian explained the truth like this. He said, the father sent the son. And the son said, the Holy Spirit. And he pretty much said, that's the Trinity, right? And it's Mm -hmm. like, so understanding that the triune God in nature is gospel centered, is that it is all about the father sending his son to die for us and that we can forever live for him. And that's what the Holy Spirit sealing us does. And if you want to understand the Trinity better, study the gospel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think it, it might've been the same theologian, but that same, if not a different theologian kind of explained it uh, along the lines of salvation too yes. that that god the father uh predestines us uh for adoption yes the son fulfills that adoption like he's yeah. the one that accomplishes righteousness yes, for us absolutely and then the holy spirit applies it
0: yeah i think it's the same one
1: yeah Yep. and i don't remember who it was but um but yeah, they—they, they, I think it's essential that we understand the person of God or the the being of right. God, yes. Um, regarding salvation, for sure, because that's where we kind of are able to sink our teeth into. Yes, um, that it is fully grounded and rooted in the process and the accomplishment of salvation. Yeah, that all three persons in one being accomplishes salvation for us. Right. Right. Um, and
0: uh, and another theologian put it like this, and he just gave three words. He said, unity, diversity, and equality. And he says mm-hmm. like that, the 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 one being is unified in three co-equal, co-distinct, eternal beings. But they're distinct from one another, but yet same being. Yeah. So, you know, not to get too theologically complex, but yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: and, and to kind of wrap this one up, that co-equal and co-eternal are essential because uh, the reason why the whole doctrine of the Trinity comes about in many different conversations and doctrines is because it's all throughout scripture. Yeah. Right. The father is present all throughout right. the scripture. He's not absent. He's not, he doesn't go away for a little right. bit. He's, he's present throughout the entire Bible as well as the son. Yeah. Um. In the old Testament, we see him at, in many ways yes. as the angel of the Lord yeah. Yeah. and, you know, uh, various different uh, events in the old Testament and then also the spirit. Yeah. And then in the at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, right. um uh, we see that at Jesus' baptism. Yeah, that's all cool. come yes. to one like we see them all present in one event, right. one setting. Right. Yeah. Uh, awesome, bro. Yeah, Sweet. Good stuff. So as we move towards a a a little more, I guess, practical uh question, uh is number two. Is kissing wrong for believers who are dating, yeah,
0: it's a hot topic right there. Man. So unmarried, yeah. uh, well, I said Obviously, who are yeah. dating. So yeah, um like I would, I would ask. Uh, often Spurgeon would answer a question with a question, and so I would ask the question back to whoever uh, may be wondering or kind of like in that situation. I would say, "Is it wrong for brother and sister to kiss? Right? Okay. While well, they're brother and sister, as long as they're brother and sister, is it wrong for them to kiss? Yeah. Is that God honoring? Right?" Uh, and the reason why I say that is because uh, Paul, through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, 1 Timothy 5, he gives the outline of how we treat members in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so a good saying to, as a barometer for courtship, and I say courtship because I believe that distinguishes um, dating from the world and dating from the word. Um, dating follows the world, courtship follows the word. And so I say your siblings in the Lord until you're one in the Lord, like, so mm. until you're married, right? So you're brother and sister to your husband and wife. And so what do you think a brother and sister wouldn't do? Then you shouldn't do, yeah. right?
1: So lying horizontally, watching a movie.
0: Yeah. Is that okay if I do that with your mom? Yeah. Right? Like, that's a, seriously a question. Like, I ask people, like, hey, if that's okay, because I'm, I'm friends with your, like, we're brother and sister, so is it cool if I lay horizontally with her if I was a single man? Is that okay? Even if I'm married, is that okay? It's not, mm-hmm. Right. And so, putting things in a proper perspective, those things are reserved for the protection of a marital covenant before God. Yeah, you know, for a reason. Yeah, you know?
1: I like that passage in First Timothy because it it kind of gives you an outline on how to address all members of Absolutely. the church. Right. Yep. Older women are seen as mothers. Yes. Older men are are seen as fathers. Yes. Uh, people around the same age are seen as siblings. Yes. And then, um, obviously, like. Vice versa, fathers yeah. see their younger men as it's sons, and, and you know, vice versa. Absolutely, um, yeah. sweet, cool. That one's a, a hot one. We can I spend know. a lot of time. We just go to the word <laughs> of got, a we just, a just Go of to the word. But one, that but yeah. that passage in First Timothy is super helpful because Very. it lines it up. It does a thousand percent. Yeah. So know. not necessarily not just kissing, but mm-hmm. like uh, holding each other in a specific way. Yes. Um, even, even you guys may think this is legalistic, but even holding hands, Mm -hmm. it can be to a certain extent, to a certain extent of siblings when they're younger, they'll hold hands just kind of like walking down the street, Mm -hmm. crossing the street, whatever it may be. But to a certain age, like you don't see even sisters, like you see sisters holding hands like when they're teenagers, but, uh, siblings, uh, who are of the opposite sex, right. you rarely see them holding hands. For sure. Especially like in high school. Like yeah. You, they avoid each other. Right. <laughs> if, if, right. If and, and anything would,
0: else. Yeah. And, and like I like when I counsel people on that, I, I use the term slippery slope. Um, and I would say, hey, those who would not fall down ought not walk in slippery places. And so I, I believe that though, because the Bible doesn't outward say thou shalt not hold hands or thou shalt not lay horizontally, Right. But we have to remember that God created us distinct, male and female, distinctly different and created our bodies to respond to physical touch. And so when we do that, we're provoking something in us that we're naturally created to crave. Right. And God gave us a protection or or I would say like a fence to keep us from harm, which is his word. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah.
1: Yeah. and it, uh, Just kind of last note. Uh, it reminds me of a passage out of uh, I think it's Song of Solomon, Song of Songs, mm-hmm. where it's it says, do not arouse right. love before it's proper time. Yeah, yeah. Or yep. something like yep. that. Do not
0: awaken my love. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Do not o yeah, do not awaken love before its proper time. Yes. And ultimately, like that's essentially what any type of physical touch mm. uh beyond, you know, hugging and even right. even we can kind of nitpick that all For all sure. up and you know, up and down, sideways, whatever. Uh but ultimately it's uh to answer the question is is would you Kiss your sibling. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not, In a certain way. We right? would not. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> all right. Sweet. Amen. Number three, how can you discern between the Lord's discipline and the enemy's attacks?
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, and I think it's something we all can relate to. And um, uh, it just reminds me of Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, lean not on your own understanding. And so um, I think one of the ways, main ways to discern whether it's uh, like the God's discipline or the enemy attacks is to know their objectives. So Mm. what's God's objective? John 10, 10, right? I have come that you may have life and life in abundance, but the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. So if you feel condemned, we know it's from the enemy, right? Or if it leads to you wanting to veer away from the Lord, we know it's the enemy. But if it leads you to draw near to the Lord, where you want to pray and ask God, okay, Lord, like you got my attention, right? So I say one leads to condemnation and another one leads to consolation. Is mm-hmm. where I feel comforted, where I feel, you know what, Lord, thank you for getting my attention. So I think it's important to know God's objective and the enemy's objective. One is to destroy, one is to restore. And so to discern the enemy's voice, like, for example, I had a brother in Christ who um, was going into a, a drug rehab program, and he, uh, he left, he had a car that he basically was living his life of rebellion in that car, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And he wanted his mom to basically, like, keep it on the street. Like, Hey, when I get out, I'll have a car, you know? And he called me and I'm like, Hey bro, like, um, you know, your mom's every week moving it for street cleaning. And that's, you know, like, I really think, you know, I was reading through a passage of Leviticus. I'm like, Hey, I really think, you know, it talks about, uh, those who had been affected by leprosy. It says, get rid of the clothes, get rid of anything that has to do with the, the, um, the infection. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, Hey, I, I believe like you need to just let that car go. It's associated with your old life. It's associated with ways you were walking in rebellion. You need to get rid of it. He's like, no, bro, I'm not doing that. I said, bro, I'm telling you right now, God's going to discipline you because it's not promoting your right, your holiness. It's not. And he got upset. Didn't talk to me for a week. Lo and behold, um, my his mom forgot to move the car oh, and no, the city got it yep. and put it in the junkyard. And he was so upset with the mom, and I quoted Hebrews to him, Hebrews to him, like, hey, the Bible says, you know, do not despise the chasing of the Lord for whom a father loves, he disciplines. And it says that it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to all who are trained by it. Mm-hmm. And it happened to be their weekly memory verse for the program. Wow. And that's when he called me. It's like, hey, you were right. Like, God was disciplining me. And um, it, it just opened my eyes up to it that I really, I shouldn't have anything to do with it, right? So it led to his consolation, right? Mm -hmm. It didn't lead to his condemnation, but it led to his consolation. And I think that's how you have to know the difference. What is God's objective? What is the enemy's objective? And then you bring it to the table.
1: Yeah. And ultimately, the only way you're able to do that, only able to recognize both of their objectives is if you're in the Word.
0: Period. Because the Word tells you. Yeah.
1: Because it literally (laughs) outlines it for you. Yes. And uh, yeah, so ultimately, like, I like that how you how you explain the condemnation and consolation. I just had the Lord's discipline is edifying, Mm -hmm. restorative, and loving. Yes. Otherwise, it's probably an
0: attack. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Awesome. That was a good one. All right. Number four, how can I remain patient with unbelievers who slander God?
0: Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I think about, uh, was it uh, John and James? Right. With well, John James, sons of deputy? Yeah. Like, we should call down fire. Yeah. Right? And what did Jesus Let's say? Let's do it. Right? Jesus says, you don't know what spirit you're of. Right? And um, a scripture that comes to mind is Titus 3. 31 i I'll read it. Uh, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, um, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Why? For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God, our savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. The short answer is remember that that was once you. Yeah. Right. Remember where God brought you from and the mercy and grace he showed on you. So when they're doing that, what really helped me in my walk is to see them as spiritually handicapped. When you look at handicapped people that are physically handicapped, you don't go kick their wheelchair, mm-hmm. right? You open the door for them. You show loving kindness to them because ultimately you can't shout people into holiness. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And so the remain um, patient is, is to remember God's patience towards you when you were living that life and to see them as spiritually handicapped. They need God's love and kindness. Yeah.
1: I love that because it's it's one of the most essential foundational truths. It's like a pillar in the Christian walk is that we need to remember how God treated us. Absolutely. Like, and, and it's one of the most uh, incredible aspects of Christianity is that We don't come up with our own definition of love. We don't come up with our own definition of grace, of mercy, of truth, of justice. Like we have God and how He interacted with the Israelites Mm. and the surrounding nations to look back on. Yes. Like that's how and ultimately when we know and understand the character of God, then we don't want anything otherwise. Mm. Like we want him, we want more of Him. Right. I think that's why there's such an emphasis on Him doing things simply because of who He is. Right. Yeah. It reminds me of the, I think it's like a psalm, um, uh, the, I think it's like the Lord does whatever He pleases. Yeah, yeah,
0: I think it's Psalm, I want to say 115. Our God is in the heaven and does whatever yeah, He pleases. Our God is yeah. in the heavens, He does whatever He yes. pleases. Yeah.
1: And we don't want anything otherwise. Yeah. We shouldn't. Um, and so I, I, it reminds me of a, uh, a story in college uh when i was a sophomore or when i was a freshman in college when i, I had just recently be- been saved so i the 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 grace of god was at the forefront of my mm. mind and we were walking to the cafeteria and a couple of my teammates one of which was like 23 mm. like he was at a community college at 23 mm. um and he they probably just had just come back from like smokey or whatever. Right. Cause they were heading right. to the cafeteria and he was just like F Jesus Christ. Cause he knew like, he knew like how, right. where I was at for sure. And he was like, F Jesus Christ. And, it, and obviously it was towards me. And one of his friends was like, Whoa, bro. Like really? Yeah, and so I awesome. just kind of like, I was like, man, I felt bad for him because I, I kind of like, I was able to witness like he was 23 and it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't good For sure. that he was, I guess, going back to school. It was under like pretty hard circumstances, and I was like, "Man, I just like that's crazy." Like, I just feel so bad, mm. like not in a pitiful right? way, like, right. "Oh man," like I pity you know, I pity the fool. Right, whatever. Right. <laughs> it's like, man, that's like, I was there. I mean, I didn't, I ever say that, but right. I was there where it was through my actions that I was mm-hmm. essentially saying that. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, man, like I think the only reason why I didn't respond in a violent or in an aggressive way is because I had the grace of God Mm. at the forefront of my mind. Right. Like that was fresh. Yes. Because like during that time, um, obviously like it was the year that I got saved. And so during that time, I was already just meditating and just relishing in God's Mm. grace. Mm. And so when the slandering um Happened, although he was trying to slander me, but at the same time right, right. he was slandering God. Of course, yeah. I was like, man, God, like God, you are so gracious. Mm. Like the fact that you didn't just strike you, him you down right struck then and there.
0: Strike him right then and there. Like and they happen to buy a hoop. Yep. <laughs> Yeah,
1: they, they approach your name, your approach. They, they approach your presence right. in an unholy, unrighteous way. For sure. And it just it highlighted like just God's grace to me. Right. Um, but anyway, it just reminded me of that. All right. Um number five. Should Christians watch the chosen?
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> good question. Uh I guess I guess the question that'd be is there anything wrong with the chosen? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh there has been um some things that people have brought up, like about some of the beliefs of the creator, of, of the producer. Um Uh, non-believers on the set, things of that nature. Um, And ultimately, I think we just have to go back to two things. One, salvific, not essential or Mm non-essential. Is it salvific, right? Is there anything in the chosen that decides my salvation, right? Is it a false Jesus? Is it um, against inerity of scripture? Um, Does it misrepresent the triune God? Um, does it misrepresent God's purpose for marriage, God's design for the male and female, right? Does it do any of those things that are uh, essential for our what we believe, right? Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, which I believe it doesn't, then we have to go to secondary, right? And then and that we go to Paul. You know, all things are lawful, but not all things are edifying. So the question is, um, by you watching chosen, if are you edified? If you're not edified, then that's between you and the Lord, and you shouldn't watch it. Mm-hmm. If you're being edified um, and it's leading you to Scripture, God's Word, then watch it. You know that, that's that's ultimately between you and the Lord, you and your convictions. Um, I don't have a problem with it. Like I can watch it. I don't. It doesn't bother me. Um, but some people it does. And yeah. so I would say, like uh, Paul said, he said Romans fourteen. Uh, one person that seems one day alike. Uh, one person that seems you know they're all the same you know? Mm-hmm. So you let each one be convinced in their own mind. That's what the Holy Spirit gives Paul regarding secondary issues and dwelling in unity with our brothers and sisters.
1: Yeah. And I think it's in that same passage where I think he finishes chapter 14 with it, is that if you can't do it in faith, yeah. then it's sin. Yes. So if you can't saying. faithfully engage in something, yeah. then then it's, it's sinful. For sure. Like it's not necessarily just like Oh yeah, I can do it if I want. It's not like a Christian liberty. If you can't right. do it faithfully, for sure, then don't do it. It's a sin. It like is. don't do it. Yep. Um, cool. Some people would say that it's a violation of the second commandment, but right. You know, yeah. it's, that's neither here or there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So number six, how can I hear
0: God's voice? Mm, it's good. Uh, the simple answer would be open up the Bible and read it audibly, yeah. right? <laughs> read it out <aloud. laughs> Yeah, read it aloud. That's the simple answer. Um, secondly, uh, I would say be alone with God. Um, mm-hmm. What I mean by that is remove any distractions, um, go to a quiet place, and we get that example from Jesus is where he goes away. Um, it always say he would go away or be up all night, away in the mountains, away in creation, which I believe is God's signature, um, and then he would pray. Because that's what prayer is: is communicate communing with the God who loves us and created us. And I believe if we can be alone with God, be silent, God speaks to us. Mm -hmm. And my experience, oftentimes, God will speak to me in my own voice, but His words, you know. And so, part of knowing if it's God or not, you have back back to their our our essential truth. You have to know what God's word says. Mm -hmm. You do, Uh, because that is going to be Jesus says uh, in His prayer to the Father john 17 17 sanctify them by truth your word is truth and so we hear the word of god by being alone with god and knowing god's word so then when we actively listen we can know that it's god speaking to us
1: yeah yeah and uh, some of you listening may be may be uh discouraged to to hear that people are always like oh god said this like i prayed about this and god literally said this and so i did it and it was great and fruitful or said not to like they'll say things like oh yeah god told me this last night in my dream or or something like that and some of you may be discouraged and i think that's what's at the heart of Mm -hmm. this question is that they want that Mm -hmm. and ultimately like a lot of things are brought back to remembrance right By means of the Holy Spirit, kind of like referring to what you were saying about you have to learn God's word because the Holy Spirit, that's part of the Holy Spirit's job is to bring back things to remembrance. So if you read a promise in the Psalm or a proverb or whatever it may be, and you're trying to seek God's wisdom in a particular situation, the Holy Spirit will bring that to remembrance if you approach him in prayer. Right. And so once you approach them in prayer, then then you have no idea what the Holy Spirit is capable Amen. of doing in, in that time. Right. But you have to eliminate all distraction. Right. Right. The, whether it's a phone. Mm-hmm. And there's literally, like, there's so many effects that, that being on your phone constantly mm. does. Yes. Is it hinders your creative ability. Yeah. It hinders um, you feeling more at peace and more... Um, in tuned and aligned with God's will and God's heart. And so just eliminate all distractions. I mean, going out in nature helps because, um, like you said, like you referred to as God's signature, it helps. Um, but ultimately it's, it's removing any and all distractions and that can happen. Usually that happens when you go outside, right. On a hike or whatever, uh, by yourself. Yeah. Um, or people, a lot of people go to, to the beach. I yep. know that you used to go to the beach a lot. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, whatever leads you to eliminate all distractions um, will help you kind of um, hear God's yeah, voice a little definitely. more clearly. Definitely. All right, man. Cool. So we're blowing through these. I'm grateful for it. So number seven, where in the Bible does it say smoking weed is wrong? <laughs> what verse because you'll get people like smoky and uh right. from friday yeah. and be like it comes from the earth like yeah. god created this for you and me yeah and so they you know they take that and and you know make it into a theology of like whatever is of the earth and right. i'm able to partake in it for sure so um, yeah
0: a simple answer genesis 122 god created us in his own image right mm. people uh i mean 127 i'm sorry. God created God and God, like he said, let us create man in our own image. And so we are created in the very image of God. God doesn't smoke, right? (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that's one just to be, and that's me being facetious. But if you want specific verses, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so what that means is that would you go into uh, the temple back then uh, with a joint? Would you go into the church today with a joint, right? No, you wouldn't. We say, well, well uh, this is not the church. Well, the Bible says your body is a temple, right? And so he's saying, do not defile your temple, right? You don't go up and smoke in the temple, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one practical sense. But another one, that's the aspect, of I believe, of reverence, okay? Secondly, though, Titus tells us, I want to say it's Titus 2.6. I'm going to flip through and find it really quick. He talks about um, being sober-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, so he says, Titus 2.6, he says, Likewise, exhort the young men to, to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned That one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Um, And that's speaking of young men's behavior, but, but it started with a sober mind. And so I believe anything that alters your mind, right, is not good for you. Because you're called to have a sound mind and a renewed mind. And I love what Romans 12 says. He says that do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may prove what the good, perfect, and acceptable will of the Lord is. You cannot test when you're high. You, mm-hmm. When you're under the influence of pharmacia, you cannot discern g- what's good from what's almost good. And so, one, our body's is a temple for the Holy Spirit. And two, we're called to be sober-minded so we can discern what is the will of God.
1: Yeah. I've heard to when I answer, I, I mean, that was a phenomenal answer, but when I answer something like that, yeah. usually people will be like, well, do you drink coffee? Mm. Or do you right. drink tea right. with caffeine? And yeah. so they kind of go the caffeine route. Uh, because obviously, a lot of people in the church you know right right yep. it's kind of ingrained in the yes, culture thousand percent um so what what would uh like would you apply the same principle or how would you how would you kind of address that
0: well, I think it's very clear that coffee and t h c are very different substances, yeah right I mean um I can think soberly while under caffeine yeah right? I can't think soberly while under influence of marijuana mm-hmm. you know let's let's be i would say the person who asked that is not being intellectually honest yeah you know let's let's be let's be real yeah. right <laughs> um weed and coffee are two different animals right mm-hmm. uh we're talking about like an ant to a lion right it's there's no comparison um but again i can discern through the holy spirit right mm-hmm. the good will of god under caffeine yeah right now any again but if i drink it and it does have an effect on me like that then i shouldn't for sure. Right? I shouldn't, you know, at the end of the day. Uh but our bodies are temple for the Holy Spirit. And that means food. That mean we can go into a whole nother slew of things. Yeah. But specifically true. that, right? Man, I think that one's pretty clear in scripture.
1: Yeah. Sweet man. All right. Number eight. I only have ten, so we're getting close. Okay. Amen. Uh number eight. What does the Bible teach about becoming a man or a masculine man? So I've I've like been just finishing up my my first year of teaching. Yeah. Um, I noticed that a lot of people teenagers and specifically kind of uh, avoid uh, church culture. Right. Because they don't see any benefit in how it's going to help them become a man. Right. Obviously referring to teenage boys. Right. So what exactly does the Bible teach about, like, what what would be, what can we present to these young men who are wanting to be called to more? Mm -hmm. Like how people like Andrew Tate and, like different people of the world call them to be to be more
0: right, right. Um, I think honestly, it's, it we have to, when it talks about like masculinity and manhood, we always have to go back to God's design. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why the scripture says that that male and female created He them. He made a distinction between a man and a woman, and He created a man and a woman diabolically different, biologically different, right? And so men have what we call testosterone, okay. And so you cannot raise up testosterone and estrogen the same way for a reason, mm-hmm. right? Men are called to be warriors, okay? We're called to be leaders, protectors, and providers by design and by calling. doesn't make us more important than the woman. It just simply means we have a different calling, right? Like a coffee cup and a wine cup, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they, some of them can do the same thing, but their purposes and designs are different. Yeah. And so the Bible has a lot to say about biblical manhood. But if I had to summarize, I tell my boys in the Bible class um, that, you know, manhood isn't mm-hmm. essentially about age, right? I tell them manhood is about how well you handle the God-given responsibilities that you have. We we do, uh, I tell my kids, like, privileges and responsibilities are two wings of the same plane. And so as you manage your responsibilities your privileges will match your management of those things. Mm -hmm. And God does the same thing, right? If you're faithful with the little, he'll make you ruler of many. And part of becoming a man or an adult as a disciple of Christ is that you are faithful, you're a faithful steward of the things that God has given you. As Paul said, it's required that stewards be found faithful. Mm -hmm. Biblical masculinity is a truth. It's a reality, right? And you think about it in our culture where men are um, castrated, where they're not given an opportunity to fulfill their God-given role, to be a leader, to be a provider. And people are like, oh, no, you're not, you can't, you can't do that. Or that's not, you know, you're being sexist, right? No, the Bible's sexist in the sense that what I mean by that is it makes a distinguish between male and female, Mm -hmm. right? And it calls them to their perspective roles in which God has created them. So the Bible has a lot to say about it, but ultimately, how well do you handle your God-given responsibilities and how faithful are you to those will determine how well you're doing as a biblical man. Yeah.
1: Sweet. I love it. Cool. All right. Number nine. If I was baptized at a young age, mm. which obviously
0: we're gonna... they wouldn't remember. Of course. Um, should I get baptized again? Um, great question. Uh, I think uh, defining terms, right? Mm-hmm. Baptism is for believers. And so if you were baptized at an age where you could not confess Christ as Lord and Savior yourself, if you cannot make a public confession uh, that jesus died for your sins that you've asked him to forgive you and you want to identify with his death burial and resurrection publicly and confessing before man if you are not old enough to do that on your own i would say yes and the reason why i would say yes is is that although baptism is essential it is not essential to our salvation it is essential to our obedience in the same way as propose and be married, believe and be baptized. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you can't remember it and, and you didn't make that decision yourself, then it isn't considered a baptism because it's believer's baptism, right? I would say it's a baby dedication, right? Mm-hmm. So I would encourage that individual that if they weren't old enough to make a confession of faith on their own, then now is the time to do that. Mm-hmm. It's the first step of obedience after belief. I mean, yeah, it like literally, the, it didn't say believe and pray it didn't say believe and read your bible although those things are great it didn't say believe and go spread the gospel all those things are wonderful and they do they are tangible fruit of salvation part of your obedience as well amen so. but the first one commanded by jesus is to believe and be baptized mm-hmm. so it's important yeah so
1: kind of to piggyback off of that um you have a lot of younger children i do um i have a daughter of my own and so uh, a common concern for parents who are raising their children in the way of the Lord is when should I allow my child to get baptized? Yeah. Um, so you have a lot of, uh, you have children at various ages, yeah. um, if I'm not mistaken, of. uh Judah wants to get baptized. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. He wants to get baptized soon. Yeah. Um, so how do you navigate through making that decision? Like yeah, is that, it something like, nah, you you gotta read you gotta be at least twelve or right, thirteen right, or right. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I gotta see some level of uh, fruit, Bare right. fruit.
0: Bear fruits of repentance, yeah. right? So what, what would
1: what process are you walking through with him?
0: Right. No, that's great. That's a great question. And and so all of my kids, I think one, don't put an age on it. Okay. Mm. And and what I mean by that is kids can articulate a different stages of their life, right? Some three-year-olds are very articulate, some are not. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Judah is the youngest of my kids that have ta- that has talked about it. Like my other one, like Janessa got baptized when she was nine. Uh, the girls are like nine and ten when they when they started to talk about it. I would mm-hmm. encourage parents, when your kids start talking about it and expressing the desire to want to do it, then it's time, mm-hmm. right? Because it's them confessing with their mouth and, and, and their heart that they want to be identified with the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. Now, my encouragement is to walk them through that. Like, hey, you know, it's a believer's baptism. So you want to you ask them, you know, for, my first question was, do you understand what sin is? Yeah, it's breaking God's law. Five years old. And I'm like, well, why do you want to be baptized? Because I want the dove to come to sin down on me and the Holy Spirit like Jesus did. So mm. he's telling me I want to follow Jesus' example.
1: Yeah, right?
0: that's cool. You know, and like, I'm, I mean, this is the most articulate I've, of any of my kids at that age. So God's doing something, you know, and I credit it. To the teachers at this school, Hillcrest, like they wash and 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 saturate him in the Word of God, and it's showing at home because we're we're um, partnered with them in the church, and like everyone's depositing Christ in. So the short answer is, when they start talking about it, you start navigating them through it.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool, that's a very helpful in general, but also with myself, with my daughter. That yeah. gives me a lot of insight for the future. So yes, thank me. you for that. Yeah, definitely. All right, last one, bro. Number 10, and this is something that some of the students here have begun to ask uh, because they're kind of growing growing a little more in their faith, right. and that is number 10, how can a young adult maintain or even we can even go as far as mm-hmm. to say like get right. a passion for the word so that they can have that passion over the, over a lifetime?
0: right. Um, longevity, you know, we, we talked about this with uh, our youth a few a few youth groups ago, um, is staying at it, the, the phrase staying at a thing, um, the key word is discipline. And mm-hmm. so uh, I was once told that discipline is forced obedience. And so what happens is we, as a former athlete, we would train at very high levels so that when we were in the game, it became natural, even if we didn't feel like it. And so I was told that if you are disciplined, when you're when your feeling say no, discipline says yes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the Bible talks about bodily exercise profits a little, but godly exercise profit is much. We have to exercise ourselves to godliness. And so understanding that um, fellowship, I think uh, Acts 2.42 says it best. And they continued hmm. steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, which is the word of God. Fellowship breaking bread and prayer that was the foundation of the early church and that is how we got the gospel message today So my encouragement first and foremost to be be disciplined in prayer and the word and fellowship But also a key component is is who you surround yourself with You got to have a You got to be surrounded with men and women that love Jesus as much or more than you do So they can hold you accountable and sharpen you and when you have your dull moments they can encourage and uplift you. If you don't have a, a community, you're most likely to, to fall. Like, yeah.
1: Know. Yeah, and um, thank you for for that because the only note that I had for that one was local church. Yeah. Huge. Get a, get yourself plugged into a Bible preaching church mm-hmm. where where it's a wide variety of age ranges because you'll see how much the Lord has done in the older right you know ladies and gentlemen of the church and even the younger how it's mm-hmm. affecting um everyone right how it's how it's been saturated in their own lives and how they're they're living that out right. um apart from that it's it's pretty hard it's, it's pretty hard to to kind of usually teenagers and young adults young adults a little more so because they they're they have either gone to college, mm-hmm. graduated, and have begun working. So they kind of know the – and have lived out the 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 issue of like, oh, man, like I got a good – like I don't have a choice. Like right. I paid for these classes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going – I have to go, you know. And then yeah. it, some, a lot of them even play sports. So they kind mm-hmm. of got that aspect of it. Right. Like if you don't produce, you don't play. Right, period. And so you have to force yourself mm-hmm. to obey yeah, whatever – you know whether it's a diet or right um specific curriculum going through curriculum in, in a class and even in the workplace mm-hmm. very rarely do people like want to go to work every yeah day. so true like it's yeah. especially people with families and just other responsibilities is it's hard they it's forced obedience it I, gotta it I, gotta I gotta do what i gotta do it. and i heard this quote and i'll just finish with this yeah. i heard this quote um, kind of referring back to the question about uh, becoming a man
0: mm-hmm.
1: or masculinity in the church is that boys do what they want to do, men do what they need to do. Absolutely, and that is ultimately like ingrained in your in your obedience. So, right. for any of the young men listening to this, if you actively want to grow as a man, as a God fearing man, start seeking things out to the point where you're going to have to need to do them. Yeah, like responsibilities, mm-hmm. serving the church. Like I, I need to do this, right. and then. Just watch what God will, what God will do mm-hmm. with that commitment. Yes. Because ultimately, like God will bless commitment for sure. If it's obviously for according sure. to his will.
0: Yeah, and just to tag off that as we as we close, um, part of that part of the reason why I believe the force of obedience is fruitful, especially in the Lord, is that in Deuteronomy, and I had it highlighted, I want to say like like maybe ten or 11 eleventh chapter, he says the whole to, to follow the Lord wholly because his commandments are for your good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so knowing that I don't want to do this, but it's for my good, I need to do this. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's going to benefit me in, in the ways of the Lord. So, yeah.
1: And at the heart of all of these is the exhortation and the encouragement to read your Bibles, Amen. get in the word, yes. whether it's corporately, like in a community at a church, at a Bible study, or just sit in the word mm-hmm. consistently and just consume it. Mm. Um, that's where you will gain a lot, a lot of wisdom. Um, referring back to that passage in John 17. Yeah. You know, sanctify them in your truth. truth. Your word, word is, is truth. Yeah. Um, that's how we become more holy. Yep. Like that's why Jesus said sanctify mm-hmm. them. Yep. That's how we become more holy. Awesome, bro. Thank you so much. Amen. I My appreciate, pleasure. I appreciate how God has been working in your life and Thank how you. you're able to just um, actively answer these questions, um, you know, Holy Spirit, right? By help of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, Holy Spirit. Bring things Um, into remembrance. Rapid. (laughs) Yep, exactly. This rapid fire Q&A. So thank you, bro. Um, And to all of you who have listened, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to know more about the podcast, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. If you listen on Spotify, make sure you follow. Click the bell icon to get notifications for new episodes. And subscribe if you want to support us in that way. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, it would be awesome if you could rate and review the show if you haven't already. Thank you all for listening. I'm your host, Chris Ramirez. Grace and peace, family.